So good to see you today. This is going to be the last installment of the life you've always wanted. So if you haven't entered into the life you've always wanted, you missed your window. No, just kidding. But uh, we've been talking about this concept of entering into the abundant life that Jesus has offered to us, the life we've always wanted, and uh, how this really takes uh, some intentionality from each one of us. And, and I, um, I keep going over this idea because uh, it took me a while to get this squared away in, in my thinking to understand what was my part in all of this, because I do believe in the grace of God. I do believe that when Jesus uh, finished his work on the cross, he said, it is finished, and that means it is finished. So I know that forgiveness is a free gift. I know that salvation is a free gift. I know that heaven is a free gift. I couldn't earn those things even if I, if I wanted to try to earn them, and nor could you. The blessing of God, the favor of God, it's given as, as a gift. Anybody grateful for those gifts? Come on, those are great gifts that God gives. But there is this um, relationship that we have with God where we lean in and there's a cooperative effort of us playing a part and God playing a part and and that is where our growth is found. That is where discipleship takes place. That is where entering into the fullness of all that God has for our life. And, and really the truth is to, to start this series uh, was there was a lot of thought, a lot of prayer uh, put into this because what we want is, is a church full of people who are strong, healthy, vibrant believers in Jesus. Amen. People who, people who are full of faith, people who are full of life, people who are full of love, people who are full of joy, people who are not living defeated lives, but people who are living victorious lives. And, and this all through anything that you want to do that, that would move you forward in life, you've got to recognize there is a bit of an uphill climb on almost anything that is going to move you forward. If you, if you want to be in shape, there's a bit of an uphill climb for that. If you want to, to do well financially, there's a bit of an uphill climb. If you want to uh, finish an education, there's a bit of an uphill climb. If you want a great marriage or you want to be have a great family, it's, you don't coast into it. There's a part you play, you enter into this. And, and the idea behind spiritual disciplines, which is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, that I think is important to understand is your spiritual disciplines are not a list of more things to do so that you could earn something from God. Uh, spiritual disciplines are us putting up the sails that allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into everything that God has for us. It, it, it's seeing things in a bit of a different way and understanding the part that we get to play and have to play in this relationship of growing up in the Lord. And so we've been talking about the ideas of progress 
over perfection, that nobody gets it totally right um, all the time, and we're all learning and growing, and, and as long as you're headed in the right direction, that's what we're after. Just take a step in the right direction, then take another step in the right direction, then take another step. Nobody's perfect, nobody in this room is perfect, and that's never even being asked of anybody. And then the concept of training versus trying, where it's not just a matter of, oh, you know, I'm going to bust a muscle uh, trying to get something done, but understanding the training aspect of, of becoming a believer, a strong, vibrant believer. So a couple of disciplines that we talked about are the discipline of rejoicing and thanksgiving. In other words, choosing to go positive. Anybody want to be honest and admit you have a tendency to go negative in your head sometimes? Come on. And the rest of you are lying in church, and that's just, that's a horrible thing to do. And uh, although it's horrible to lie anywhere, right? And, um, but, but this whole idea of, of the discipline of saying, I'm going to focus on what God's done for me. I'm going to focus on the goodness of God. I'm going to focus on the blessing of the Lord. I'm going to keep my soul full of hope and full of faith and full of optimism. Am I preaching this okay? Or are, you, are you with me on this one? And so, so it's, it's a discipline. Sometimes you got to get a hold of your head, and you gotta, you got to spear those thoughts, and you got to pull them in to captivity, to the obedience of Christ. And then we're talking about the discipline of slowing down, which is a very good discipline to consider, uh, because it's not your pace that's going to make things happen. Uh, it's the blessing of the Lord. But also slowing down enough that we are creating a secret place in our world that uh, we understand that you, you can't live a life where you're too busy to pray. It's just, it, 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 you're, you're never going to make it in your relationship with God if you don't slow down enough to create a space in, on purpose where you can hear from heaven, where heaven can touch you, where, where you can worship, where you can vent, where you can be before the Lord and, and the things that are going on in your life. It, it's just a discipline that's got to be a part of our life. And then the discipline of recognizing appropriate smallness. In other words, just, just to embrace humility, to recognize I am one of seven billion people on a little speck of a planet in an entire universe, and there's an amazing big God who's over it all, and I'm just a little piece of this thing, and recognizing that if I can rest in the bigness of God and rest in the fact that I'm not even looking for life to be fair, because if I was looking for fair, I'd be in trouble. The truth is, every one of us in this this room is way beyond fair in what God has done for our life. And so just, just to rest in that. And then we talked about the discipline of being rooted in the Word of God. Today, I want to talk for a few moments about the discipline of hanging in there. Everybody say, hang in there. We're going to talk about endurance today, the discipline of endurance. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. This is the apostle Paul towards the end of his life, uh, and he's writing to his spiritual son, Timothy. And, and I, I love these words. I have fought. I have finished I have kept. Don't forget 
to finish. I'm, I watched with a lot of sadness um, the news of Tiger Woods, uh, three o'clock in the morning, being arrested, and, and just to see where his, his life has gotten to. Here was a guy who five or six years ago was just on top of the world in every way, but you got to finish, and I'm praying that he does finish. Uh, I, I have no condemnation for, for him or anybody, but I, I, I know entertainers that have just done things that have ruined their career, and they are not able, they don't finish. And I just, I just want to say, you, you got to finish. <laughs> you, it's, it's a good thing to start, but you got to set your sights on finishing. I've been, uh, as of May 29th this year, uh, I have been uh, saved in a relationship with Jesus for 43 years. That's an awesome thing. Um, and, and I just, and, and just want to say uh, that it, I, there's never been a period in my life, by the grace of God, where I've kind of drifted away or dipped. I mean, I'm talking 43 years on fire, passionate, fully leaning in to the grace of God. 43 years. I know what you're thinking. Did you, did you get saved when you were two? Oh, no, you're not thinking that, are you? I've been in full-time vocational ministry for 38 years. And uh, I, I thank you for applauding. I'm actually not looking for applause. I want to make a point. But, but thank you anyway. Uh, the, the stat is two people out of 100 who start in the ministry will still be in the ministry after 20 years. So I don't even know what the stat is for 38, almost 40 years. I've been married to my first wife for 35 years. And I will say, got a pretty good, pretty fun, pretty loving relationship. And we, we haven't gotten to where we just tolerate each other. 28 years ago, Suzette and I moved here and started this church from dead scratch, and we have pastored you hellions for, <laughs> for 28 years. Now, why am I saying all that? I'm just saying, I think I'm starting to get to the place where I can talk about endurance with some experience. In other words, these are not just opinions. Everybody has opinions. A lot of them aren't any good, but everybody has opinions. Uh, but you don't wanna just listen to people's opinions. You wanna listen to somebody who's actually done something with their life and whatever arena they're talking about. So I'm just saying, I, th I think I'm starting to get there, and I, I, I also recognize I got to finish, right? I got to finish. I'm not done yet. I got I to gotta finish. One trait of all successful people is they have the ability to think long-term. They have a long-term perspective on life. And here's the passage that I want to kind of build out of today. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance 
and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance. Everybody say endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Run your race with endurance. This isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. And the Greek word literally for endurance it, in the NIV, it's, I think it's translated perseverance, is, is a word, a word hupam, hupamene. Hupamene means to stay under, to stay with, to not bail. And it has this idea of cheerful or hopeful endurance, not a grit your teeth kind of thing. I, I think this is a day where we need stay Ability in, in a lot of situations. Perseverance separates the winners of the race from the losers of the race. It doesn't matter how fast you start. It doesn't matter where you are at the end, at the middle. It matters where you end up. And perseverance is the possession of people who end up winning in life. Ray Kroc, who is the founder of McDonald's, who if you want to persevere for long, don't eat too much of it. But every once in a while, a Big Mac is not going to kill you. And those French fries, oh Jesus. Yeah. But he said, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not, because nothing is more common than unsuccessful individuals with talent. Genius will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. Wilma Rudolph was an Olympic champion who uh, was born premature, uh, twice in her childhood, developed pneumonia, got scarlet fever, was hit by polio, which then made her left leg crooked. I mean, she is starting from not a great starting point at all. And, but she had this thing in her where she wanted to run. She just had a dream to run. And she began to train uh, with her dream to run track. And she went to the 1956 Olympics. She was 16 years old. She was all full of bravado. She was all full of, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go for the gold. She, she never made it past the qualifying rounds. And so for the next four years, she trained and she ran at 6 a.m., at 10 a.m., at 3 p.m., and then at 8 p.m. Every day for four years because she was determined to win a gold medal. I will say that there is a, there's an important factor in this, and that is you have to train in secret to win your battles in the open. And, you know, she's running four times a day, training four times a day. Nobody that is going to watch her on the Olympic field saw her doing that. 
And she went to the 1960 Olympics and she won three gold medals. She, she's historically famous. She won the 100 meter, the 200 meter, the 400 meter relay. And because of her endurance, because of her persistence, because of her determination. And a few years back, quite a few years back, Suzette and I spent a year in Europe doing ministry. And a lot of our ministry was based in Finland. Finland, they love sauna in Finland. They, they love getting in that sauna and just sweating away. Almost every home has a sauna. I mean, it's just, it's a normal thing to have. And whenever you, there are big public saunas that you can go to. Uh, there, every gym has one. Every time you go to work out or if you go to play racquetball or they play squash and you just, you go in the sauna. And, and one of the things that used to happen, the way, that, the way steam happens in, in a Finnish sauna is, is there's a little, um, like a shower head that's over these hot rocks. And if you pull down on a, on a lever, it, water comes down, hits those rocks, and more steam comes out. So when you're in a public sauna and there are these old men that have been in there, they've been in sauna since they were two, and now they're 82, and their skin is like leather. And once they decide that the thing is getting too crowded and they want to clear it, they start pulling that thing. And all of a sudden, all the young guys are in there trying to bear it. No one can chase me out here. All of a sudden, one guy get up and leave. Another guy get up and leave. Another guy get up and leave. Finally, all you guys, like six, eight old men, chase everybody out. And the word that they have for this is, do you have Sisu? Sisu can help you take the heat. I just want to, I want to remind us of this. You have to finish your race to win your race. I want to talk about endurance and the value of it and how important it is. I'm going to give you, out of this passage of Scripture, eight key factors to endurance. And I'll move through these relatively quickly. Number one is this. You got to hang out with the right people. I know I talk about this a lot because I cannot tell you how important I think this really is. The word us or we uh, is used six different times just in Hebrews 12.1. Let us run the race with endurance. Let us uh, break free from sin. And I just want you to realize that nobody is living a solo life. Nobody, Christianity is not a solo thing. You know, all of life is not a solo thing. And your friends, the people you do your life with, they are your training partners in life. They are are helping you train for righteousness or they are helping you train for unrighteousness. They are helping you train for mediocrity or they're helping you train for excellence. They are helping you train to win, or they're helping you train to lose. Even the Bible says, we don't just run this race to run, we run this race to win. And I think the reason, and this is part of why we started this series, is because I think the reason some people are not winning in their walk with God is they're just going through the motions. 
And I want to say this with lots of love and lots of respect, but I think it needs to be said that there are people that they just show up at church whenever they can make it. It's, it's not... It's not it's not an important part of their life. It's not a discipline. It's not a thing that they make a part of their life or their family's life. There are people who just read their Bible when they can occasionally find the time. There, there are people who just pray whenever they possibly feel like it. Or they worship whenever they feel like it. So they come to church and all this stuff is happening from the platform and they're just kind of standing there so loud. When is this going to be over? And now we got smoke to go with the loud. It's just a big show. Not a show to those of us who are worshiping God. And just let me, let me say this. They, they tithe if it happens to fit the budget. They, they're, they, they're never summing up enough boldness to share their faith, so they, they kind of fall back into this, well, I'm just going to witness with my life and never say anything. And I just want to say... That's just going through the motions. You're not going to win with that. And there's, there's, two, there's two things I want to say about this. One is, if that describes you, stop it. <laughs> but at, if that describes everybody you hang out with, you're going to be just like that. People enter into that kind of approach and they wonder, why am I not growing in God? Why am I not gaining any ground? Why are things not working? Because they're literally training for mediocrity. I want to encourage you to get some training partners around you who are going for the gold in God. Who are, who are leaning in hard in their relationship with the Lord. Proverbs 13, verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 22, verse 24, Do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man, lest you learn his ways. Hang out with mad people, you get mad. Hang out with cynical people, you get cynical. Hang out with negative people, you get negative. Lest you learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Your, your life, my life, is the average of the people we hang out with. We are forming our life literally by the friends we choose in life. Second key factor in endurance is get rid of your hindrances. So Hebrews 12.1 says, let us lay aside every encumbrance. Uh, this word uh, encumbrance uh, could, was also translated hindrance. In the Greek idea, the original idea is that, that it's a bulk. 
It's the extra stuff in your life that you just keep hanging on to, that you just don't need anymore, but you're afraid to let it go. It's, it's, it's the idea, this is the idea, lay aside every encumbrance. It's spiritually cleaning out your closet. You are never going to fit in those pants again. <laughs> yeah, that, now, I, I, I'm preaching to myself because I, I have a tendency to be a bit of a pack rat. But can I just say, that shirt that's 12 years old, give it away. Your closet is getting clogged with all this stuff. It's, it's, it's cleaning out the old cans of paint in your basement. I don't know. For years, we, I used to do this. I'd keep these cans of paint just in case we ever needed to touch up a wall. It happened one time in a thousand, and usually by the time the can of paint was being opened, it had a, a skin on the top of it that was about that thick, and the color didn't resemble anything like what it used to look like. But it's so easy just to hang on to all those old cans of paint and think, oh, I'm going to need this one day. I think a lot of people are hanging on to stuff that used to mean something to them, but now it's lost its real substance for their life. But they're afraid to jettison. They're afraid to get rid of it. They're afraid to get rid of it. And the idea of endurance is this, is that you can only carry so much bulk around if you're going to make and win the race. So there are people, they, they, they give their life to Christ, but then they've got these old friendships. There, there are people who give their life to Christ, but they've got these old habits. They've got these old viewpoints. They've got this old style of going about life. They've got, they, they've got these old experiences that used, listen, used to have meaning to us, but now it's just a weight that we're carrying around. And how many of you know the good can get in the way of the best? And we're holding on to stuff that we're thinking, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Let me just say to you, maybe that relationship with that boyfriend is not going to help you. Somebody shout amen. amen. You're, you're hanging on to a relationship, and I'm all for, if you want to have a boyfriend, you want to have a girlfriend, just make sure it's the right one. But you're hanging on to something that you're afraid to jettison. You're afraid to move. You know. You don't need anybody to tell you. You know. But you're carrying it around because you're thinking, is there anybody else that's ever going to pay attention to me? You got to get rid of the encumbrance before God can send you your prince or your princess. Because there's no prince or princess going to show up and go, well, I just better move that out of the way.
Third key factor in endurance is this. Don't play with sin. Don't play with sin. The Bible says it so easily entangles us. Sin, we don't talk about sin too often, but I want to talk about it right now. Sin is that that thing inside of us in our flesh that has a tendency to want to stray away from God's best, wants to, wants to choose. And, and everybody in this room, that nature of sin shows up a little different for you than it might for me. And what I'm talking about in your life and in my life is the thing that you're thinking about right now. That you're praying that Pastor Kirk doesn't go all prophetic and start calling people out <laughs> at this point in the message. I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm not fussing at you about sin. I'm, I'm reminding us sin is deceitful. Sin is powerful. Sin is... You can't play with it and not get burned. I'm talking about how to last. I'm, talk, I'm talking about how to hang in there. Sin is more powerful than your willpower. And I'm encouraging you to steer clear and don't play near. Right? When, when Joseph was tempted when Potiphar's wife is saying, come and sleep with me, he didn't hang around and say, I'm a man of God. He got the heck out of there in a hurry because he knows he's a man of God. And I, I just want to say, if you're going to last, you can't have this posture that says, Let's see what I can get away with and still be a Christian. Let's just see how close I can get to the end. Let me just see if I can, maybe I could, maybe I, Jesus still loves me, right? The grace of God still covers me, right? It'll suck you in, it'll suck you down. How, how about seeing, instead of seeing how close you can get to sin and still be a Christian, how about seeing how close you can get to God and still be a Christian? Don't. I, I'm just, I, I'm helping us have a healthy respect. Sin will snare you in its grasp. It, it's the destroyer of destinies. It's the destroyer of relationships both with God and with people. Proverbs chapter 5 says, the evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline led astray by his own great folly. Some strong words from the Bible. Proverbs 29 verse 6 says, an evil man is snared by his own sin, but a righteous man can sing and be glad. 
We used to take our kids, when I was a youth pastor a million years ago, we used to go to Atlanta, and, and one of the places that we went to visit one time, Stone Mountain. Everybody, anybody ever been to Stone Mountain? Stone Mountain's a big, just a big rock, <laughs> a big stone. They call it Stone Mountain. Stone Mountain has these, these, uh, these fences that say, don't go past here. And I mean, you know, there's always somebody that thinks they are the exception to the rule. And, uh, and they, they're like, oh, I can go past there. That's not bad. And literally this happened. This happened close to the time that I brought all our kids there one year as a guy got out there and started just seeing how far he could go past. And, and the, the descent was so gradual that all of a sudden he was so far down he couldn't get back and he fell off to his death, literally to his death. See, here's the, here's the deceitful thing about sin. You get away with it one time, and then you get away with it the next time, and then you get away with it the next time, and then you get away with it the next time, but all of a sudden, you can get snared by it, that it will pull you down, it will mess you up, it will mess up your marriage, it will mess up your walk with God, it will mess up your future. Don't play with sin. Key factor number four is don't let the devil steal your joy. <laughs> uh, Hebrews 12, 2, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endure the cross. Your joy is your strength. You got to get that. Your, 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 your most joyous times are when you are most connected with God. You feel connected to him, and there is so much joy in that. And here's what I find. When my joy is full, temptation is easy to overcome. When my joy is full, I am bold to share my faith with, with people. When, I, when my joy is full, I, it's easy to get into the Word of God and spend time there. But the enemy's trick to all of us is to get us focused on the wrong stuff so that our joy is stolen. So if you, if you just start focusing on, look at what I have to give up to be a Christian. Look what it costs to be a Christian. If you keep focusing on, this is everything that's going wrong in my life and nothing working out for me, it's great. And I just want to say, it does cost something to be a Christian. <laughs> there are things that you have to give up. But what you get is so much greater than all the piddly stuff you give up. And I... My encouragement to you today is don't let the devil or anybody he uses <laughs> to steal your joy. Because if you're, if you're going to end up lasting, you've got to enjoy God. You've got to enjoy your walk with God. You've got to enjoy worship. You've got to enjoy your prayer times. Don't let your joy be stolen. Key factor number five I think it's so powerful. Don't make decisions in the middle of a storm. N nobody goes storm-free through life. And it's easy to make a dumb decision at, the, at a place of disappointment or make a dumb decision right after you just got ticked off. 
You don't get ticked off, do you? It's in my notes for the first service crowd. They needed this bad. <laughs> don't make a decision when things, when everything's going wrong. Because sometimes in the middle of a storm, you don't know what's the right way to go. And you want to make sure that your vision for life is the vision that you got on a clear day when you stood on the mountaintop and you could see over the horizon and you could realize this is where God wants me to go. In the middle of the storm, I may not be able to figure out exactly where I should go. Some people have thrown away relationships, they've thrown away jobs, they've thrown away destiny, they've thrown away their walk with God even because they got in the middle of a storm and made a bad decision. Key factor number six is this, keep the barrel full. Keep the barrel full. Proverbs 21.20 says this, there's precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it all up. You can't live for long on more than you make. When your outflow <laughs> exceeds your income, your upkeep will become your downfall. Now, this is talking about wine and oil, but I think it applies to just about every arena of life. You got to live off the top of the barrel rather than off dredging off the bottom of the barrel. I had a friend when we were growing up, he had a big Buick Skylark, four door. It was huge. I mean, you could have hung tires over it. It was so big. It was just We'd ride down the road, bump, 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 bump. Come on. All my friends are low riders, and we'd ride in his car. And his car was the group's car. I mean, wherever we went, we went in Rob's car. He loved to live off of empty. So, like, he, we would get to fumes, and we'd stop at the station, and everybody pitched their stuff together in two bucks. We'd fill it up from, from empty to two bucks. And I, even then, like, I'm not a believer at all. I'm just a pothead with my friends, and we're all, you know, we're all smoking pot in this car and driving around and just thinking we look s- straight wrong. <laughs> and uh, and, and I, I remember saying one time, I said, why don't... Why don't we do this? Why don't we fill the car up one time, everybody pitch in, and then every time it goes down two bucks, let's fill it up again so that we don't run out of gas again. That was some wisdom for a 17-year-old pothead. Thank you very much. And, but he never did it. And so we lived on the edge of disaster (laughs) off the fumes of his car. And I'm just saying, if you want to, you can't just pray when you're in crisis. You can't just plop your Bible open when you're only 
needing somehow desperately. You, you got to fill the barrel up. You got to stay full in God. You got you to keep that tank full. Let me say, if, you know, those of us that are married, you got to keep the barrel full in your marriage. Number six is you got to give things, seven rather, you got to give things and people time and space and grace. I'm, I'm talking about how to last. You can't pull on the leaves and make the tree grow. You got to give people the grace of time. You got to give people the grace of some space. Because here's what I recognize. Everybody's trying to work it out the best way they know how. And everybody is dealing with some kind of pain. And you got to give people some grace. You got to give people some space. You got to give people some time. Because I'll say this, if they're not trying to work it out, then you can't do anything with them anyway. Right? You can only build with the willing. You can't build with the unwilling. And so there are people that may frustrate you that are in your world. There are things that are going on in your world. Give them some space. I'm talking about how to last. Give them some grace. Give them some time. And maybe give yourself some space and some grace and some time to get it together. Because if, if you are going to last, you got to learn to get over your own disappointment with you. Last thing I want to say, and then we're going to pray together is, number eight is, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. This passage is really kind of leaning us into all that. Hebrews 12, 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. It literally means to look away from everything else and just focus in on Jesus. It means getting a single vision of Jesus because he's the author. He started it. He's the perfecter. He'll finish it. He's what this thing is all about. I love all the great principles that are in the Bible, but the whole thing, all of this, all of this should be taking us to right to this place where my relationship with Jesus. And I just want to say, you know, the, the church... Church is God's idea. And church will bless you. But you got to remember that church is full of people as imperfect as you are. So occasionally, the church will disappoint you. That's when you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Your pastors and your leaders, they love you, they want to bless you, they want to help you, but they may disappoint you. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Your spouse may want to do everything in their power to make you happy, but they're a human. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? Come on. Life is great, but sometimes life is hard. 
You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. When sailors are at sea and they want to find their way, they don't, they look up to find a star in the sky to give them direction. They don't look at the water, whether it's calm or whether it's stormy. They, they, they don't get direction from the sea. They get direction by looking up. And I just want to encourage you. I, I don't know where you're at. And, and my prayer for today has been, I believe that there will be people here that are on the verge of wanting to give up. Give up on God. Give up on church. Give up on their marriage. Give up on the calling God has for their life. Just give up in a, in a way that is not going to take them. You got to finish the race. And, and if, if any, everything I've said, if you could just get this idea, you got to fix your eyes on the person who loves you the most, who can take care of you the best. That's Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes? Father, we come to you today. All of us need a breath of fresh air to help us, Lord. Um, it, it's within all of our souls at times to say, this is too much, or I can't do this. I want to quit. But I'm praying that today God breathes life into every single person in this room. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, Maybe you've never just submitted your life to Jesus. I'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and there was a time when you used to be really close to the Lord, but you know you're not now. You're not where you want to be, where you used to be, where you could be, where you know you should be. Today would be a great day for you to open your heart, for you to come back home. Or maybe you feel unsure about where you stand, but nobody's looking around. Everybody in this room, we're just praying together. If you want to give your life to Christ for the first time, or you want to come back to him, or you want to know for sure you're right with, with God, and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I just want you to lift your hand real high all over this room. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks. Anybody else? God bless you. Come on. You're just, just a moment of honesty to say, God, I need you. I want you. In my world, I want to finish. I want to win. I can't do this on my own. I need you. Anybody else? Just say, pray with me. Thank you. I want us all to pray this prayer. This is for everybody who lifted their hand, but and, and even those who know they probably should have. But we're all going to pray it together. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world. I know I've sinned, but I come to the cross where you paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start, a new beginning as I give my life to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.